Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're on Long Final, Ireland's aviation podcast. From Squawk 7000. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Long Final from Squawk 7000. In this episode, we meet with Tony Tai, Head of Aviation Services with MetAaron, to talk about the services available to general aviation in particular. The first real-time weather observation was transmitted from Valencia Island in County Kerry on the 8th of October 1860. However, it wasn't until 1936 that the Irish Meteorological Service was established to provide accurate weather information for transatlantic aviation. Forecasting for aviation was the main preoccupation for the fledgling service. That was until 1948 when it assumed responsibility for the weather forecast provided by Radio Erin. While many things have changed in the intervening years, such as the installation of high-resolution weather radar systems at Dublin Airport and Shannon Airport in 1990 and 1996, respectively. In March 1996, its 60th year of operation, the Meteorological Service adopted the new title MetAaron. In 2001, MetAaron launched its website, and in 2008, a specialised web-based Met self-briefing service was introduced to provide aviation data to pilots and aviation customers. Tony, you're very welcome to our long final. Uh, I suppose what a good place to start is with you, the work that you're doing, uh, and I suppose the, the connection between MetAaron and aviation. Well, the connection between MetAaron and aviation it goes back a very long way. In fact, the Irish Met Service, when it was established in the late 1930s, it was established to support the transatlantic aviation industry, which comprised the flying boat industry at that point in time. And uh, the Irish Met Service was established in Fines in West County Limerick there on the Shannon Estuary. Um, and there's a museum there now. By the way, if any listeners want to go and visit it, it's very interesting. I've been there myself and made a couple of presentations there. It's a lovely spot for a day trip. But uh, that's where we began. And that was the genesis of the Irish Meteorological Service and then subsequently the Met Service expanded and evolved into gradually what it is today, uh, uh, the scope extending far beyond the aviation sector. Um, but then over the course of the following few years, uh, the aviation function uh, moved across the estuary to Shannon Airport, where it's still headquartered. And the services you provide, obviously, uh, are at a high level. And the one we're supposed to, we'll talk about on this particular one is the more low level and the, the, the VFR flying for the, for the pilots who are recreational pilots for the most part. 
Um, the responsibility uh, of uh, METERN in the aviation world, uh, well, we're the designated uh, meteorologic, meteorological authority for Ireland, um, and we're also the designated and certified MET service provider for Ireland too. So a lot of that focus, as you know, it it's relates to the commercial aviation industry. But aligned with that, then there's the other aviation community comprising the likes of the general aviator, balloonists, gliders, uh, search and rescue services, the Irish Air Corps, and so on. And we serve uh, those customers as well. The nature of the services that we provide, it doesn't just focus on, if you like, the big players, uh, but it equally focuses on the likes of the guy flying his Cessna here and there around the country uh, in appropriate VFR weather conditions. So we invest in our infrastructure and in our research and our forecasting teams uh, pay particular regard to those guys too. We're very familiar with a lot of the fellows actually who fly in, in, in that kind of way. And uh, there's an ongoing rapport between the aviation forecast team and the aviation observer team and, and these users of our services as well. Now, some people who might be around flying long enough to remember when they would ring the, the Met office and talk to a forecaster, these days, there are lots of apps and there's lots of technology. Tell us more about that. Yeah, uh, that possibility is still there, by the way, uh, Michael. There is an aviation briefing line uh, that you can call. Uh, if there's any uncertainty in your mind, I would emphasize it, particularly to a novice uh, flyer, mm. uh, to use that service. But that said, uh, there is an online self-briefing system. It's uh, to be found at briefing.met.ie. It's a free service. If you want to register, you have full access to all the regulated products, the TAFs, the actuals, the low-level significant weather charts, the upper-level significant weather charts as well, the upper winds, all that stuff is available. That aside, there's the, the usual met.ie uh, website and app, and you can access there some additional information, for example, radar information or satellite features, or if you want a plain language sense of what's happening in the weather today or over the coming few days, you can find that there. All right, so let's uh, have, a, have a little look, I suppose, at, at the skill of a meteorologist and, and what it is they do. Can you tell us about the training? Sure. The, there's a fundamental uh, academic piece that needs to be looked at first when it comes to becoming a meteorologist. It's a scientific subject, it's a scientific discipline, and the more aligned sciences would be the likes of mathematics, uh, physics, uh, maths, physics, those types of disciplines. So that would be essentially the benchmark uh, educational requirement to, to join as a meteorologist into the organisation. And then following on from that, there would be subsequent induction training. So there would be courses aligned with uh, prescribed curricula developed by the World Meteorological Organization, for example. There are these things called basic instruction packages for meteorologists. That would be the forecaster cohort or meteorological technicians. That would be the weather observing cohort. And the training that met Aaron uh, aeronautical meteorological personnel acquire uh, is strictly aligned with that criteria. How did you get involved yourself? Me? Well, I finished college uh, in 1993 and uh, my father saw an advertisement in uh, the national newspaper. That's the way people found jobs back in those days. He told me about it on the telephone. I was living in Dublin at the time. And uh, two days later, the application form for the weather observer in uh, Met Aaron uh, arrived to my flat in the post. So him going to such effort, I said, you know what, I'll fill this in. And I've, uh, I've been with the organisation uh, ever since. Uh, so I started as a weathered observer, Michael, in 1993, um, and my career uh, has, I, I've basically nailed, na nailed my colours to the mast and met Aaron since. Mm. So I've, I, I, uh, in, around the late 1990s, I trained as a meteorologist, and I spent most of the time since then working as an aviation forecaster, actually. 
and I, I uh, graduated to the head of aviation services there about five years ago or so. Uh, but I haven't moved too far away from aviation throughout my career in the organisation. All right. If you were to describe the weather that, that we need to know about in Ireland, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my brain here going back through my, my own revision of the Met for the Met exam. We're in a maritime climate and I suppose we get warm fronts and cold fronts marching their way across the North Atlantic. And that kind of defines the experiences we have, doesn't it? It does. Uh, it's, it's a very changeable regime. Uh, you know yourself, we can have very long settled periods, but typically we have a changeable dynamic westerly flow across across the country. It's, it, it is, as you've described, there's a typical kind of a Norwegian frontal model that's uh, it's a, it's around a while now, that model that's used to describe uh, weather, weather systems. But it still is quite appropriate in terms of the normal understanding of what's happening in terms of shifting air masses and so on across the North Atlantic and across Ireland. I'm just thinking uh, as well, Tony, that one of the handiest things as a pilot might be able to do is have a good knowledge of the clouds because they themselves can give us, you know, and again, at an amateur level for a recreational pilot, an idea of what's coming down the line. Yeah, well, I think uh, an understanding of general air, what we describe as air mass theory or frontal theory would be very, very, very beneficial for a pilot. Because when you understand the fundamentals at that point, um, you can get at least a sense of how the weather should evolve when you do your pre-flight briefing, looking at the weather information that's available to you. So, for example, if you're looking at a low-level significant weather chart, you'll see included on that any fronts that are expected to pass over the area of interest. And the nature of the air masses should be clear from the chart as well. And with some experience, a pilot should be able to interpret what you could expect to see in terms of cloud, visibility, precipitation, areas of more benign weather and areas of potentially riskier weather. So you could, for example, in fact, we had an example like this just last weekend. We had a humid, warm air mass across the country. Some parts of the country, like where I live, it was a beautiful Saturday evening and we sat out and ate on the patio. Further north and northwest, coastal areas and hilly areas were shrouded with mist, fog and drizzle. You know, so there was no frontal activity, but it was the same air mass right across all areas. But the local orography and topography, the situation uh, you might find yourself in in the country, uh, would dictate how that air mass would manifest itself as weather in the particular area you were in. So it's that type of understanding that's critical in particular for the VFR flyer because he or she is particularly concerned with the level of cloud, with the visibility and so on. And equally with winds, if we mm. consider the impact of mountains on a wind flow, a, a, a very benign laminar wind flow could be significantly enhanced through, for example, a funneling effect. You could depending on the meteorological circumstances, for example, have mountain wave development. So downstream from some hills or obstructions, uh, you could see some hazardous conditions leading to wave formation, which uh, depending on, again, the level of experience of the pilot, uh, could be quite uncomfortable. With the primary, I suppose, concern to remain clear of cloud and also to be able to see the terrain, pilots can get themselves in trouble if the ceiling is starting to come down lower and lower. What, what would be the, the circumstances where that might be experienced? Typically, if you are, again, just to refer back to the example we gave earlier, you could take off, I think, last Saturday in Kuna, near, near the city of Limerick, uh, fly northwest towards the cliffs of Moher or further north to Connemara, and you would see a gradual deterioration there as the as the moist air comes in from the Atlantic in circumstances like this. If you if it meets an obstruction, the the the, the moist air will rise and 
cool as it rises and contents into cloud, for example, over hilltops. Um, so that would be a typical example of uh, seeing a deteriorating cloud uh, situation in an otherwise benign meteorological situation. Also, with the uh, onset of a frontal activity, um, you will you will see a typical um, cirrus right down to stratus progression of cloud from the very high cloud down to the mid-layer cloud down to the lower level cloud. And when I expect that the, uh, the novice pilot is doing his MET theory exams or his MET theory modules, uh, he'll get that understanding. He'll understand the structure of clouds as they as they approach from the, the highest level uh, at the top of the troposphere down to the lower levels uh, when you get to the surface front itself and the changing uh, nature of cloud as it approaches to deteriorates and deteriorates and deteriorates until over the course of time, the front passes through. And typically in this part of the world, you'd see a clearance often to brighter weather, some sunny spells and some showers. Um, in my experience, when I worked the bench as a forecaster, something I noticed from the very experienced pilots that would ring on the briefing line uh, was the generally cautious or conservative approach they would take planning their flight um, and, depend, and, and its dependency on, on, the, on the weather uh, at the time. Guys who are working in the commercial heli world, for example, they would happily sit and wait for weather to pass. You know, they'd never fly on the boundary. I think they recognize that fundamentally the responsibility for the decision lies with they themselves. And um, so what they would do is they'd analyze the charts, they'd analyze the TAFs, they'd call me, my colleagues, um, and then they'd piece all the information together. And if there was a doubt, they'd leave it, you know. Mm -hmm. So safety was the priority there. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a prudent approach. The meteorologist is not going to make the decision for the pilot. No, and that's it. The meteorologist is there to provide information. Gladly, MetAaron is in, is in the, the very fortunate position of being able to provide the best information to pilots for Ireland. Um, and that's why, again, I would emphasize uh, the, the, the potential uh, for the, the briefing site and, again, the Met.ie website as well for the pilot to inform him or her. But fundamentally, once that information is provided and, uh, uh, and, if, and it's provided in a clear way and the ambiguity is removed from the pilot's mind in terms of the evolving nature of the weather, then the decision really is down to the pilot. Can you distinguish for me between stable and unstable air? Unstable air is associated with the showery activity we see very frequently in this part of the world. It's associated with rising air. When you have an unstable uh, thermodynamic profile, and by thermodynamic profile, I mean the profile of temperature as you rise through the atmosphere, that means the temperature decreases as you rise through the atmosphere. So as, as air eats at the surface, it will rise through the cooler air aloft. So when you get that, um, you will get the warm, moist air rising and condensing into cloud. And that's where we get our cumulus clouds from. And then in quite convective situations, that's where we might get our towering cumulus or cumulonimbus clouds developed. So the more unstable then the atmosphere is, uh, the more likely we are to get heavy showers of rain. And uh, if we go more unstable again, we can be thinking in terms of hail or thunderstorm activity. In, stable, in a stable atmospheric environment, it's the opposite to that. There isn't that same lift. The air, the air, is, is the air temperature is rising as you go aloft, and that acts as a cap, if you like, on that convective activity. So you will not get the same degree of showers. You might get a little shallow shower in a stable air mass environment, but typically not. Of course, uh, we've had some really lovely weekends for flying, but if you try to fly between sorry, midday, it's quite bumpy. That's what, yeah, what you're seeing there is, is convective activity in the, in the lower atmosphere. Um, you're, you've heard of thermals, um, very important for glider pilots and so on. And low level convection, it can lead to a bumpier ride. 
Um, it's it, again to do with the, the rising air, um, air heating at the surface due to the solar insulation and rising then through the cooler air aloft, creating that little bit of, I suppose, shear um, in the wind. So with like air moving at different speeds, different velocities at different levels and leading to that slightly bumpier, low level turbulence uh, situation. In the morning time, uh, the convective activity is, is at its lowest in an unstable situation. Um, we're still waiting for the day to heat up and for the thermals to start moving. Mm. Same again at the end of the day, we're starting to see the cooling. Um, at the end of the day, the, again, the, the convective activity is that little bit less. And that's what we'd call a diurnal variation. Tony, if people find themselves on the self-briefing site, uh, and let's say, for example, I was planning a, a short cross country from, say, you know, Port Arlington Lime Tree, and I was going to head up to Donegal, um, what should I be looking for uh, as I plan uh, my flight for the day, Le- leaving around 10 o'clock in the morning? Okay, well, if, if uh, you're thinking of, of an en route flight, it's a, it's a kind of an area you're concerned about um, and point, point uh, information isn't really sufficient for your needs. So, for example, a TAF for your arrival or departure airport, it's only good for that site. Um, it provides a lot of useful information, but it's not sufficient. Um, so what I'd recommend in circumstances like that would be that you'd have a look at the low-level significant weather chart. And that's so-called because it focuses in on significant weather. And that's whether that's significant from the point of view of the pilot. And the criteria associated with these charts, it's defined by ICAO. You know, and ICAO, when it came up with this criteria in the first instance, it did it on the basis of very close consultation with all sorts of aviation stakeholders, the likes of the commercial airlines for sure, but also general aviation, also search and rescue services. And we apply that criteria to our low level significant weather chart product too. So the forecaster's mind is very focused on significant weather um, below 10,000 feet when creating that product. And that chart is issued at six hour intervals. So if you were thinking of flying at maybe three o'clock in the afternoon, you would have a look at the 1200 chart and again, the 1800 chart. So you would see on those two uh, pieces of information, the likely evolution of weather over time. So if there was a front included on the chart, you could interpret it where it was at 12 to 18 and estimate where it might be at your time of interest. And included there, then you'd see reference to, again, those key pieces of information for the VFR pilot, the visibility, the cloud type and the cloud ceiling, how, you, how it's expected to change, temporary variations over space and time, and so on and so forth. Also, if there's any uh, suggestion that there might be turbulence or icing or anything like that, all that information is there too. So there's a lot of information in that chart in particular, and it will be ideal for that type of activity. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Anything in particular you would like pilots to to be aware of when it comes to, to, to briefing themselves and indeed getting a briefing from one of your colleagues? I would. I suppose we're always talking about the weather. And so we need to consider um, that there's always going to be uncertainty involved as well. And so while the science of meteorology has evolved and developed very, very significantly over time, and in particular over the last three to four decades, and the level of forecast accuracy has massively improved, um, it still is, there, there is still a degree of uncertainty involved. A pilot, however experienced or however inexperienced, needs to bear that in mind. Some situations are far more predictable than others, there's no doubt about it. But you should always bear in mind that the weather is unpredictable and you should always fly um, with full information available to you. And if you're uncomfortable and the briefing line is there, you know, you can contact the forecaster um, who might be able to provide additional information and remove some of that uncertainty from your point of view or from the pilot's point of view, and help with that decision-making process. Um, so that would be a key takeaway I'd have here. And also, um, aligned with that again, always be conscious of local effects. You could have a very benign day wind-wise, um, fly around a headland, and all of a sudden face a gust of 25 knots that you just weren't expecting. Something like this. You know, it's the, it's, it, it, it's the typical type of experience I think novice pilots would have, and it might... It, it might make you jump, you know, and, 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 and sit up and take notice. But local effects, uncertainty, all of those things need to be at the front of your mind uh, when you're planning your flight. And indeed, when you're on your flight, always be aware. So fair enough to say you're not being a nuisance if you're finding out the weather. Yeah, definitely not. No, we'd, we'd encourage a safety first approach. What should you have ready when you call? So when you call the forecaster, we'd like to know your call sign to identify the aircraft. Uh, we'd like to know uh, where you intend departing from, where you intend arriving to, your time of departure. Uh, we'd be interested in knowing the level you intend flying at, and that will help us with the upper wind forecast, for example. Uh, and and that's, that's nearly it then. And then the forecaster can describe the weather for the area and for the level uh, of interest to yourself. And then finally, for the self-briefing, how does a person register if they haven't done so already? You can send an email to avops at met.ie. That would be picked up by one of the station supervisors and we'll organise it from there. Finally, Tony, uh, are you uh, very popular with friends and family when it comes to trying to predict the weather for a barbecue at the weekend? Well, when I was younger, for the fun, I used to try to give people what they wanted. So if somebody wanted a nice weekend, I was happy to provide it in advance. And then depending on the way the weather worked out. I might hide out for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I have to be honest, it was a bit of a novelty. Yeah, it's, it's, we're a relatively small organization, really. Mm. So sometimes when you do meet people, people and Irish people in particular, 
uh, find it quite uh, fascinating uh, to, to, to meet someone who works in that area, and even though I've been there all my working life. So it's uh, the novelty has worn off uh, for me a little, even though it's a very interesting place to work. Thank you for joining us on Squawk 7000. It was a pleasure, Michael. Very, very good to talk to you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.